Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome back to Taking the Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey, and this morning I am really excited to have an opportunity to speak with Gina Wickman. And this is an author, a best-selling author that I've been following for many, many years, hearing great reports uh, all over the country, especially out of Detroit, Michigan, and former YPO members that I know that have had him come in and work in their companies and help them do amazing things. And you know, just a few short years ago, I was in a board room uh, with Crown Financial Ministries, and one of the, the board members pulled out of his briefcase a best-selling book called Traction and said, this is a book that we all need to go through as we're navigating some interesting times, and we use that book with our staff to put Crown on a completely different trajectory. And as I've been talking with business leaders around the world, I continue to hear people talk about Gino Wickman and his incredible books, Traction, get a grip on your business with the whole EOS system, Rocket Fuel, which was another phenomenal bestseller. And just recently, this year, his brand new book, A New Pursuit, The Entrepreneurial Leap. So Gino, I am uh, so thrilled to have you with us. Uh, I've been wanting to chat with you for quite some time. You've got an amazing reputation with business leaders around the world. And I'd like to start with uh, just a quick question. You wrote this book before you know, all of these unprecedented times of COVID-19 and big you know, global shutdown, and all of a sudden it seems like everywhere I look, thought leaders like you are talking about the need for entrepreneurship and an entrepreneurial revolution that's taking place. Can you speak into that? First of all, welcome to the show, and can you speak into that a little bit of what you're seeing? Absolutely. Well, let me start by saying it is such a pleasure to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to uh, spending this time. Oh, well, thank you. I know you're going to give some great insights for the entrepreneurs that are part of the Bonvera program, and we're, we're really looking forward to having all that insight. Yeah, well, thank you for that. So in answering your question, um, you know, talk about being in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, it's times like these that spawn the new great entrepreneurs. It's always in tough times and crises, recessions, depressions. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we are going to spawn, this world is going to spawn a ton of new great entrepreneurs. And uh, the book came out in October. Obviously, the pandemic started to hit, you know, February, March-ish. And yeah, there has just been a flood of interest because you can just do the simple math. Well, we'll talk about it in a bit, but a true entrepreneur has six essential traits. And what happens is with a lot of these people being displaced, being laid off, all of a sudden they have this opportunity to, number one, fight for their survival. Number two, realize that they have these six essential traits if they're a true entrepreneur and boom, they see opportunity, they take off, they start a business. And so I can't tell you how many great entrepreneurs I work with now that started in 08 and 09. And so we're going to see that again here with this pandemic. Yeah, I was actually up there in Michigan with you during the great financial crisis of 08, 09. And like you said, you know, it looked very, very bleak. You know, Michigan uh, gets hit really, really hard during downtimes. Uh, I saw many people that were displaced. And but in the in the midst of all of that, I saw incredible opportunity. Actually, you know, I'm going to open up your book because I have this earmarked. I'm going to go all the way to page 63 because there were three quotes that I absolutely loved on page 63. And this is the chapter where it was talking about taking action and being patient. But the three of these quotes, one of them was, most of the money we make in the world comes from transforming other people's bad news into good news. I thought, wow, that's, that's awesome. How about this one? Wherever there is anxiety, there is opportunity. And the final one by Dan Sullivan, who I know is a good friend of yours, when people are feeling confused, 
isolated and powerless, there is opportunity. All three of those quotes could have been written specifically for what's going on right now. In the midst of all this confusion, anxiety, and fear, I heard a statistic recently where it said the, the U.S. economy had created 20 million jobs in the last decade, and yet we lost over 30 million jobs in a one-month period here during the COVID crisis. That spawns a lot of fear and uncertainty. Now we're seeing a bounce back. You know, this this last month we had some job creation here in the U.S. It looks like we're starting to head back in, into some normalcy. But can you speak into the opportunity that you see for entrepreneurs and how to have the right mindset during this time frame? Yeah, you know, and again, I go back to those six essential traits, and, and I know we'll go deep into those, but when you talk about the mindset, you know, again, just you look at the the ground that has been laid for a true entrepreneur to emerge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, this happened in 08 and 09. This happened in the dot-com crash. This kind of happened during 9-11, uh, Gulf War. In other words, we can go back and we can look at all of the crises from the past. And the reality of it is something's going to happen again in the next 10 years. And so, again, it just displaces people. And the ones that are those true entrepreneurs see opportunity. Now, the opportunities are always different. So that's why there's no perfect answer. Like, for instance, telling someone, hey, start a video conferencing platform, i.e. Zoom. Right. Uh, you know, if they all jump into that, you know, that's obviously hot right now. So what the idea is, it's impossible to predict. But entrepreneurs see those opportunities because their ear is to the ground and they're watching people's wants and needs. And so there's this, this basic premise in this context that I teach. And I'm going to try and teach it as fast as I can, but this will kind of say it all, at least I hope. A um, little bit complex, but makes a really powerful point. And so if you look at a thousand years of entrepreneurial history, there are two things that change and two things that never change over that history. And if, as we look to the future, this is probably going to stay consistent for the next thousand years. And so the things that change over history is, number one, methods of communication. Number two, products and services. So products and services are always ever-changing. 150 years ago, we were selling buggy whips and beaver pelts, okay? And so those things are always changing. Right. What never changes is the fact that human beings have wants and needs. And number two, you have to persuade them. You have to sell, market, create awareness. And if you understand that basic premise of those things that change and don't change, as you go forward and you focus on that, the constant is crazy entrepreneurs with these six essential traits capitalizing on the opportunities that are presenting themselves and hopefully that basic premise makes sense. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, I love your writing and the way that you look at the world because you can distill very complex things down into easy to understand, easy to grasp concepts that people can leverage. It's one of the things that I really appreciate about all of your books. So, Let's dive into, I mean, you've mentioned it now a couple of times, these six essential traits of entrepreneurs. And once again, you, you beautifully lay this out in your book. So let, share with us what those are and why these are so important. You bet. And so with this project, Entrepreneurial Leap, it's a, it's a true passion project. And the mission is to impact 1 million entrepreneurs in the making over the next 10 years. And I, and I call it finding the 4% and helping them realize what they are, why they were put on the earth, and help them really fully realize their potential. And so the 4%, those true entrepreneurs in the making, are people that possess six essential traits that they are born with. They can't be taught controversial statement there that we could certainly talk about. But those six essential traits are visionary, passionate, problem solver, driven, risk taker, and responsible. And somebody that exhibits those traits, has those traits, is born with those traits, is truly an entrepreneur in the making. And you're destined to go create and build something. Wow. Now, do you see that is a, a very, I would say, for some in our audience would, would consider that to be a controversial statement. I've had conversations with folks, uh, other entrepreneurs, you know, the whole nurture versus nature. In your 
entrepreneurial journey and your coaching and mentoring journey, have you seen people who have been able to develop these over time in terms of maybe they had the trait there, but it was maybe, we'll call it a, a weak muscle, but they've been able to develop it into a strong muscle? Is that is that possible? or yeah, well, the, yeah, the short answer is yes, but I consider that process you just described as more of a discovery. What happens is they discover it. Like I had this great conversation and interview with a podcaster. He built a $100 million company and never thought he was an entrepreneur and realized he was an entrepreneur at 22, 23. And he really believed in this conversation that he kind of developed that at 22 and 23. And we had this great, robust conversation. And he just happened to be brought up in a very conservative household. And he was taught to stay between the lines. And it's when he went off to college and really flourished and spread his wings and was completely free from all of that restriction you know, I personally believe those six essential traits were always there for him. They were just, you know, tamped down, if you will. And so it just kind of was discovered for him. And so I believe you discover them. It's not about necessarily developing them. Mm -hmm. And then there's a really important point here that I want to make to create context for your audience here, because okay. I don't want anybody throwing in the towel out there about being self-employed. And I, and I know, you know, our audience are your entrepreneurs, your Bonvera entrepreneurs, mostly, certainly. Mm -hmm. And so there's this spectrum that I teach. I call it the entrepreneurial range. And this will help create some understanding around this. Okay. And so if you picture in your mind uh, the listener out there, this arc, if you will, again, that I call the entrepreneurial range. And on the right side of that arc, if you picture the words true entrepreneur, and on the left side of that arc, if you picture self-employed, Every single self-employed audience, uh, every single self-employed person, as your audience is out there, mm -hmm. is somewhere on that spectrum. And on the left side, self-employed are typically the one-person shows, somebody with a side hustle, a freelancer, if you will. On the right side of the spectrum are the greatest entrepreneurs of all time, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Oprah Winfrey, Sarah Blakely. Mm -hmm. And so the point there is, Every self-employed person is somewhere on that spectrum. Everybody that has their own business is somewhere on that spectrum. And so some people, you know, they're just going to remain a one-person show, and that's perfectly fine. But somebody with these six essential traits cannot help themselves but to build an organization with two, 20, 200, 2,000, 20,000 people, but you just can't stop yourself because these traits burn in you and you just desire to grow and build and create. Hopefully that long dissertation made sense. No, it makes perfect sense. So do you see that as a, maybe like an entrepreneurial journey? Would you consider like a, a someone who is a consultant or let's say a, a young person who's starting their, their very first business, a, a lawn mowing company, which is what I did when I was 15, 16 years old. And that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. Those would be more uh, the self-employed aspects, right? And then do you, do you see those people who are then transitioning and learning and growing and moving the people who have the, these six essential uh, traits. I'm going to read them off one more time. They're, they're, it's a person who's a visionary, someone who's passionate, someone who's a problem solver, someone who's driven, a risk taker, and also responsible. You see them start to move and morph into the Richard Bransons, the Steve Jobs, the Sarah Blakeleys. Did, did, did I get that correctly? You've got it. And again, not everyone is going to make it all the way to the right side of that range, you know, and be the next Richard Branson, but but it's okay to make it like 60% of that range. So you, you made a great point that I want to come back to, and that is, let's talk about that person cutting the lawn or that consultant. And, and again, just picture the one person show doing that. Well, yes, that's somebody who's all the way to the left side of that range. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, if that person doesn't have the six essential traits, they're going to be a very successful lawn cutter and consultant, and that is respectable. They're self-employed. They're totally free. Amen and hallelujah. But if they have those six essential traits, they're going to start to, to move the needle to the right because that person cutting the lawn is going to cut 20 lawns and go, wow, if I go hire somebody to cut these 20 lawns, I can go cut 20 more lawns. And if I hire somebody else, and then if I hire a manager, and then if I, all of a sudden that person has a 200 person landscaping company, the consultant, just as I was, it's the perfect example for what I did. Because for when I sold the family business and set out to create EOS, 
I spent five years being a consultant, being a coach, a one-person show with an assistant, working with companies, and then I could not help it. I could not stop myself but to build the 400-plus person organization that now exists that is EOS worldwide. And so, again, when you have those six essential traits, you will build it into an organization. And if you don't, you'll probably just remain that one-person show, and that is okay. That's what's most important here is to make a point. There's no bad answer. Mm -hmm. It's you knowing thyself and deciding where you are on that spectrum. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, I get to see that kind of firsthand within, we'll call, I'll call it the Bonvera ecosystem, because there are folks who will come in and say, hey, you know what? I'm looking for a, a gig economy opportunity, a side hustle, and they're 100% okay kind of, you know, being a part of a team, but they're still kind of a one-person show and make a little bit of uh, income. And then we've got folks that will come in and see the, you know, what the potential is, and they'll develop a team of a thousand different entrepreneurs that are on their team, and they have a huge organization, obviously, that their potential earning and income uh, potential goes up dramatically when they do that. So I see in Bonvera a, a wide range from the, the solopreneur, that, that, that one, one person, all the way up to the entrepreneur who is uh, leveraging all of these characteristics, that uh, essential traits that you've been talking about. Do you see, in your journey, as you you've been coaching and mentoring people, is there one trait that is most important for an entrepreneur? Or do you see that entrepreneurs may be strong in one particular area and that they just leverage whatever they're, they're, they're strongest in? Do you, is there one or the other? There really isn't. And so they are all equally weighted. Okay. And so, you know, responsible isn't more any more important than visionary and vice versa. So that these are the six in all of my research. And I'm not making this up. You know, these are the thousands of entrepreneurs I've worked with, the hundred thousand companies we've now helped through EOS. So in all of my research, it comes back to this. So it's not about stronger, weaker. It is you either have them or you don't have them. And so if you're missing one, then, you know, I, I personally, in my experience, believe you're not a true entrepreneur and you're probably not going to build an organization. And what I love about what you're saying, you know, using the Von Vera entrepreneurs as an example, if, if you are that solo entrepreneur or you are that entrepreneur that's going to build a, an organization with a thousand people, both are okay. You just have to decide what you want. Mm -hmm. You have to decide what you're built for. And there's an assessment I offer. It's free. It's on the website, e-leap.com. It's also in the book. So I urge your audience to take the assessment for free and start to get some clarity. And if you score 90 or higher, the real good odds that you absolutely have those six essential traits. And if it's lower, again, it's just another tool, another data point, another mechanism to help you determine and know thyself as to where you are on the spectrum. Well, I certainly love the fact that you've listed those out because I think a lot of times, and I, I know our folks in our audience will go out there and take that free assessment on your website. We'll have all that in the show notes. You know, a lot of times people hear about, you know, Walt Disney or Steve Jobs or Richard Branson, and, and maybe visionary is what immediately comes to mind. Elon Musk would be another one, visionary. But then a very close second, a lot of times will be, you know, the, the, the word passionate. But then the, for you to be able to drill down and talk about, no, hey, you've got to be a problem solver. You've got to be driven. You've got to be a risk taker. You've got to be responsible. I think that that word, the one responsible, is probably one that I have not heard associated with the people that we've mentioned. Um, because of that, since that's kind of a little bit maybe of a unique word, I've re I have read so many books on all these thought leaders that we, we, we've talked about this morning. Um, could you share maybe some insights specifically on that one, that characteristic, responsible? Yeah, I would love to. And this is certainly not the first time this has come up. So this is a, one of my favorite conversations because you're right, those first five, they're like, boom, they hit you in the face. They're so clear. They're so tangible. Then all of a sudden you're like, responsible? What the heck does that mean? Well, you cannot and will not succeed as an entrepreneur without this trait. And, and again, we're talking about traits, and I'm saying how you're born with these traits. So I'm going to do a deep dive with you on this and, okay. and get your question answered multiple ways. Because I want to start by saying, here's how I know responsible is a trait you are born with and it can't be taught. It's 100% nature over nurture. And so picture a family with multiple children, okay? 
And, and, and so you can think about everyone in your life and you could literally put them all into one of two categories. First category are people that take responsibility. Second category are people that do not take responsibility. So when something goes wrong, half the world looks at themselves, the other half of the world blames everyone else. And if mm -hmm. you look at that family with multiple children, you have that dynamic going on with siblings, where literally half the siblings take responsibility, half the siblings don't. I always love this, because if I could see all the faces and the eyeballs out there, people are nodding their head right now because you're thinking about your brothers and your sisters. So the point there is, how is that humanly possible in the same household, same parents, same race? Everything's the same, but they're so different when it comes to responsibility. Mm -hmm. Second point is, we, what we're talking about here with responsibility is that your default, if you possess this trait, if you were born with this trait, your default is to blame no one when something goes wrong. You default to looking in the mirror when something goes wrong, not looking out at other people. You take full responsibility for the outcome. You don't believe in entitlement. And so a great example is, uh, somebody shared this with me, is if your building gets hit by a meteor, the definition of responsibility is you believe that was your fault. Okay, and so half the world's gonna blame everything else for that crisis, mm -hmm. the other half is gonna blame themselves. They chose that building, they built that building, they chose the move there, and so the default is always to take responsibility. And I'm not even saying this is healthy, because mm -hmm. to not take responsibility and take too much responsibility, both are disorders, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and, and somebody with these six essential traits, I mean, you're borderline crazy. Being an entrepreneur <laughs> is not all it's cracked up to be, but somebody that defaults to taking responsibility for everything is it's it's just natural and inherent and it's again not normal not healthy i'm not saying what's right or wrong but you tend to look at yourself uh when something goes wrong take total responsibility dive in and solve your problem regardless of how it was created well, as a father of six children, I can say that the, uh, the the analogy that you've used just a second ago is spot on. I can I can go down the list of my kids and I can say, okay, this one, this one, well, well it, yeah, that is so spot on. Well, I uh, tell you what, thank you so much for you know unpacking these six essential uh, traits for entrepreneurship. One of the things I'd like to do now is move into the tail end of your book here, the third part, which you call the path. And you have three really important questions that you highlight there. And you, you, you say it's extremely important for someone to have passion uh, so that they can have success. You also say it's really important to have a mentor. And we're, as an organization, uh, we really aspire to help people have a mentor and a coach. I know that as a former college athlete and a person uh, who's been in the business world uh, now for for a number of years, my coaches and mentors have been invaluable, and it's been a game changer in my life. And so, I'd lo love for you to be able to share some on uh, the importance of having a mentor. And then, finally, I mean, you can have all of the the great ideas, you can have all the tools and assets and so forth, but if you don't have a action plan and take massive action towards that plan, uh, but you also very importantly highlight, hey, take action, but also be patient. So I'd love to you know, dive into all three of these because you feel that these are extremely vital for success, correct? Absolutely vital. And if I may, as I answer that, I just want to zoom out really quick for your audience and again, create context here. So I'm a fanatic about context because I believe once the mind sees the context, the learning rapidly speeds up. And so I wrote this book in three parts. And so you're referencing the parts and I just want to make sure your audience is tracking with us. Mm -hmm. And so again, three parts. The first part of the book is about confirm and that's confirming that you are a true entrepreneur, have the six essential traits. And we've obviously talked all about that. Second part is glimpse and glimpse is all about showing all of the possibilities and opportunities out there for an entrepreneur and then the third part of the book I call path and that's introducing a path that's gonna highly increase the odds of success for that entrepreneur in the making and help to eliminate half the mistakes and so as we're about to go there I want to touch on something that's just such a great opportunity when I'm talking to an audience that already knows the business they're in because mm -hmm. one of the things I teach in glimpse is making sure that that entrepreneur in the making, once they realize they are, I then show them all of the options and opportunities as an entrepreneur, be it all of the industries available, the types of businesses, sizes of businesses, are you B2B, are you B2C, are you a product business, service business, 
Well, the beauty of talking to Bonvera entrepreneurs is you've won that battle already. You know your industry, you know your business, and so you have a huge advantage in luxury as an entrepreneur because a big part of the battle is trying to figure out the right business because I believe not everyone is built for every business, and so you gotta figure out the business that's built for you. And so kudos to this audience, that battle is won. And as we go to PATH, now that you've confirmed you're an entrepreneur, now that you know the business you're in, now we can talk about how to greatly accelerate your success. Oh, that's fantastic. I, once again, that's why, why I love learning from you because you always go back to context. I, and I think you're brilliant at being able to take very complicated things and make it easy to understand. So where would you start? When, when we're on the path, what's the first place that we should start? You bet. I'm going to go right to, I'm going to hit those three things that you said in that order because you're hitting on three of the biggies. So the first is to discover your passion. So my urging to your audience is you got to do some soul searching and decide why are you doing this? At the root of this, what is the passion? The number one reason you're going to succeed is pursuing your passion because you're going to get your butt kicked here and there. Mm -hmm. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to hit hurdles and barriers. And the only thing that helps you keep getting up uh, because it's borderline insanity to get knocked down that much is your passion. And so I urge you to just look at why are you doing what you're doing? Why is this organization so important? Why is this product or service you're selling? What What's important? So you need to dig into what's the passion here and and there are three or four exercises i give in the book but there's one i want to share with you that everyone can do in the next 30 minutes and it's a thinking exercise i learned it about 15 20 years ago and it was transformative for me and it's sitting down for 30 minutes with a journal with a legal pad but it's definitely writing and you're answering three questions about your life first question you answer is what are your three greatest successes Second is, what are your three greatest failures? Third is, what has life prepared me for? And out of that exercise, you will start to get clarity around what you're built for, what you're drawn to, what your passion is. And so for some of you out there, you already know it, but I would urge you uh, to capture that passion. And we're going to talk about that when we get to your third point about take action and be patient. In terms of mentoring, Success as an entrepreneur is greatly accelerated and improved with a mentor. There's no question. It's undeniable. And all mm -hmm. of my interviews, a little more than half of the successful entrepreneurs I've interviewed have had mentors. What's important about that statistic is it doesn't mean you're doomed if you don't have a mentor. What I'm trying to say is it's just going to accelerate your success. Mm -hmm. So finding a mentor is a very simple formula. It's looking for someone who is where you want to be. So think about where you want to be 10 years from now. And whatever that looks like, there is somebody walking this earth, probably multiple people that are there. And to the degree that you can reach out to them, connect with them, spend time with them, learn from them, you will get to where they are faster. Mm -hmm. What's important to understand, though, is it's going to be the biggest sales pitch of your life. And you're going to hear a lot of no's because these are busy people. And so I'd urge you to have five or ten on your list, but it's about reaching out to them and saying, I'm looking for a mentor. I'd love to pick your brain. Can we meet for an hour? Meeting for an hour, share your hopes and desires, have them share their story and their insights. And at the end of that hour, you're going to know if this relationship feels good, and then you will go forward with a structure. And so I had two great mentors in my life, my dad and a gentleman by the name of Sam Cup. Sam Cup and I would meet every single month for an hour and a half, and we did that for five straight years. Wow. My dad and my structure was a lot less formal, but ultimately you decide how to go forward from there. Mm -hmm. So that's the fastest dissertation I can give you on the power of mentoring and how to find one. You know, I have a lot of young people who will approach me and be asking me, how do I, you know, find a mentor? What should I do? You know, one of the things that you highlight in the book, you talk about, you know, as you said, these 
your, your mentors will probably, if you're looking for someone who's 10, 20 years ahead of you, who have walked the path, who are, are very successful, their time is extremely valuable. If they say yes, the next thing that they're going to want to see is that if they're taking the time to mentor you, that you're going to be a good student, that you're actually using this information, making a change, making a difference in the world. Uh, I share with young people, it's like, you know, very rarely have I met somebody who is a success in life who isn't looking for a, a way to pay it forward. And, you know, because they probably had people who did the exact same thing for them. And, you know, for me, if I'm going to sit down and take time out of my busy schedule, I want to know that the person who's on the other side of the table is actually going to put it to use. What And, you know, one of my biggest frustrations is when somebody comes and, you know, will sit and have the exact same conversation with me two, three, four times, and you realize that they're not using it, they're not leveraging anything. And then, yeah, at that point, I feel like, man, I'm just wasting my time. And I find a way, a kind of a polite way to, you know, exit stage left and, you know, say, well, hey, maybe there's somebody else that, you know, can, can help you on this journey. Uh, well, what kind of advice would you give? Or is there any other talking points that you might give for a young millennial in their, you know, I guess in their 20s, who's looking for that sage uh, mentor that might be in their 40s or 50s? Yeah, so lots of thoughts. I'm going to try and grab all these things swirling around in my head. That's so great. I'm glad you went there because, you know, I'm trying to give you the fast version of this entire mentoring chapter. But you said something really important there. And so I've obviously laid out the process for finding a mentor. And so I urge your audience to please trust that process because that's how you do it. Number two thought that comes to mind is, you know, when you talk about these Bonvera entrepreneurs and you have some with that, it's a solo entrepreneur with one and some have a thousand people in their organization. Well, if you're sitting there with one and you're a solo entrepreneur and you want to get to 25, then reach out to one of the other Bonvera entrepreneurs that's at 25 and ask if they'll mentor you. Or if you want to get to a thousand, reach out to them. So, you know, right under your nose, you have an opportunity for, for finding mentors, but certainly look outside the organization as well. With that said, you said something that I now want to crystallize because what I strongly urge to your point about the mentor is mentoring you because they want to leave a legacy. They want to pass their knowledge along. They take great pride in watching that legacy carry on. And so you owe them two very specific things constantly. And so through the relationship, number one, you need to constantly express appreciation. Just simply say thank you for their time. And number two, you need to give feedback on how you're applying what they're teaching. If you're not applying what they're teaching, they're going to do exactly what you did, Bob, and that's bail on them because time is so darn precious. Mm -hmm. And then the third thought is I created something called the Mentor Track, okay, another free tool. There's nine free tools on the website, e-leap.com. And Mentor Track is a track I created for mentors to do exactly what you're saying, and that is to literally do 80% of the lifting for the mentor and really qualify that protege or that mentee. And the reason I share that with your audience is if they go to the website, download, watch the video for Mentor Track, and read what I wrote, you can literally forward that to your potential mentor and they'll actually appreciate it. So it's a tool that might attract a mentor to you oh, that's that brilliant. is really busy. That is Brent. I'm definitely going to use that because I've had so many people come up to me and ask me like, Bob, I know mentorship is so important. You know, I want to coach, you know, how do I go about it? So this, once again, great resource and tool that I'll be able to share with folks to help them on that journey. All right. So the third point in, in this, the, this part of the book, The Path, which, I mean, just every single page is just full of incredible information. And I really liked as we, we got into this, this third part here in the, in the path, you know, being able to have an action plan and take action, but also be patient. And, it, and, it's, and you, you highlight it so well. You're like, well, it may seem like I'm giving you conflicting advice, right? Take action, be patient. Aren't those conflicting ideas? And you're like, no, it's not. They actually complement each other very well. Explain this. Yeah, you bet. And so I'm going to say a lot here, but I'm going to try and put it in a nutshell. So it's, it is definitely a contradiction. But I want to start with the most important piece, and that is what I'm trying to teach in this particular chapter is the power of 10-year thinking. If I could somehow 
get every audience member out there to shift their thinking from one-year thinking, one-month thinking, to 10-year thinking, something very powerful will happen. Time will slow down for you. You will make better decisions. And ironically, and you'll also be more peaceful, but ironically, you'll actually get there faster. It's, it's incredible. So in saying that and starting there, another tool that I offer, again, all the tools are free. It's called My Vision Clarifier. And it's an exercise that I urge any entrepreneur in the making to go through. And what you're doing is you're answering eight aspects of a vision and a plan for an entrepreneur and at a high level it's things like we already talked about what is your passion starting there getting clear what is your customers needs in other words what is the value you're providing your customer number three is who is your customer getting really clear on the demographic geographic psychographic number four is getting really clear on your pricing model and then it gets very tangible in the next four aspects, which is what is your 10-year goal? And then we get into a three-year plan, a one-year plan, and a 90-day plan. Point there is that tool brings everything we're talking about together because starting with this 10-year thinking and get, getting clear on the vision and your 10-year goal, all of a sudden from there, you then boil that down to a 90-day action plan. And what happens is, all you need to now worry about is taking action today, moving in the direction of that 10-year goal, not exactly worrying about exactly how you're gonna achieve the 10-year goal. You've put that star on the horizon. I urge you to think about it and envision it every single night when you go to bed. But if you will just start to take action and see that in vivid color every single day, you will get there. You'll get there faster, you'll get there better, you'll get there more peacefully. And so that's the best I can do to pull a few chapters together into one concept. Well, the, one of the things that I, I found to be so enlightening as I was thinking about reframing my business pursuits into a 10-year time frame, and I think that uh, listeners will intuitively be able to connect the dots here, those that are monitoring the news, reading the Wall Street Journal, we see pretty frequently that there's been discussion about how the United States needs to start having a longer time horizon uh, of goal setting. We, 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 there's been a lot of talk about how Wall Street is managing massive decisions for quarterly results, whereas counterparts in Asia have, uh, in Japan or in China, are managing companies and they're looking at a hundred year time horizon, right, which allows them to make different decisions and they're not managing for those quarterly results uh, as uh, we are here in the West. We, we see the same thing in our politics. We've got these uh, four-year presidential cycles, and then you know our counterparts around the globe, maybe in China, so forth, they, again, they've got a 100-year time horizon. And when, so when, you've, when you set it up, when we see the issues that are, that are coming out of that, uh, but for our own personal life, when people are making decisions like, well, I'm expecting this business to be super successful overnight. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a success in, you know, 90 days. They're like, well, hold on, time out. You know, <laughs> nothing that comes easy will last and nothing that lasts comes easy, right? So, you know, we've got to have these longer horizons. Give yourself the ability to make decisions, build. You'll make better decisions. You have a greater opportunity for success. And it's just completely reframing it. So, I think you do a beautiful job of highlighting that. Yeah, and that prompts a few thoughts. You know, there's a great quote by Bill Gates. I'll, I'll get it pretty darn close, but it's people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So you, you can accomplish so much in 10 years if you will just focus and be disciplined and work. And, and 10 years in the span of a lifetime is a blip. If you're sitting there and you're 35 or 45, I mean, 10 years is nothing. You've got like four more good 10-year time frames left. Mm -hmm. So so imagine all that you can accomplish with that thinking. That's point number one. Point two, I'm speaking from experience because I learned this 17 years ago when I was 35 years old, and it absolutely changed my life. Like I said, time slowed down. I became more peaceful. I made better decisions. And ironically, I got there faster. And so to your point you know, about 
uh, the worldwide impact of this, you know, again, I, my goal is to impact a million entrepreneurs in the making over the next 10 years. And if I can do that, all of a sudden there are a million people that shifted their thinking to tenure thinking 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, just imagine what that looks like 20 years from now as, you know, those million people teach that to hopefully 100 people. So, you know, and then the, the compounding effect of that. But I, I think we're all better off with tenure thinking. I think if I, uh, this part of the book, reminds me of a college teammate of mine. His name's Tim Mack, and he came in. He was an, he's an Ohio boy, and he came into the University of Tennessee, and he wasn't even the top athlete on the team. He wasn't the number one pole vaulter on the team, but he, he was very patient, and he, and he mentioned multiple times, I want to be the best pole vaulter in the world. And yeah, I remember him in the in the mid-90s, I'm like, a best pole vaulter in the world? You're not even the best pole vaulter on our team. And Fast forward, but he was methodical, all right, about training, diet, strength. He had a long-term time horizon, and that guy ends up going, I believe it was the 2008 Olympics. Not only did he win the Olympic gold medal in the 2008 Olympics, but he set an Olympic record, if you can believe that, right? And it was a, it's a 10-year time horizon, and he's, you know, arguably, the at that point, was the greatest pole vaulter in the world. And I'm like, it's it, so your point here, Gino, it plays out whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you want to be successful in anything in life, having that long-term time horizon and being patient, every single day taking action steps towards it, uh, but being patient, I think that lends itself for you to, to be super successful. Yeah, I would add one more thing because a, a perfect timely example is if you're sitting there and you're panicked about this pandemic and you're worried and you're scared, well, all of a sudden, 10-year thinking will bring some peace to you because Looking out 10 years from now, and let's use a Bonvera entrepreneur, and let's pretend you say 10 years from now, I want to have 500 people in my organization. Well, that is extremely doable. You can absolutely do that and to know that you're going to do that and you're going to work at that. Yes, right now, it's a terrifying time. You might be getting your butt kicked. And it's very uncertain for potentially this next year or two. But man, 10 years from now, you're going to achieve that goal. There is a peace that comes over you. And then you just move forward in these crazy times and you focus on the things that you can control. Uh, again, it just there's a calm and a peace that comes over you with longer term thinking. For sure. Well, there's so much just incredible information in this book. I can't wait not only for our company and friends and family and uh, folks that are listening to this to be able to read this book. And I'm sure it's going to get recommended pretty heavily by all of the entrepreneurs within Bonvera. But I also look forward to having a book review with all of our key leaders. And uh, I've always found that to be very insightful to hear how other people are thinking as they're going through the book, what action points they took up. And so we're going to be doing a book review on that as an organization right now to to be mindful of your time, because we talked about time being extremely precious. It's the one limited resource that we have, but I'd I'd love to finish up with just a couple rapid fire questions with you, Gino, uh, so that we don't take too much of your time this morning. Just out of curiosity, you're a very learned individual. Uh, You're working with uh, CEOs and and you now have this huge organization. You're working with over 100,000 companies all around the globe. What are some of the things that you're currently reading? Anything interesting, any new books that uh, that you found to be extremely helpful at this period of time? Um, When you say this period of time, um, you know, the book I'm reading now is called Letting Go, and it's a really a personal development book. So it's not, I'd love to give you this like perfect business book, you know, that's going to be transformational in these times. And, and there isn't one. So, so that book has been very, very, very impactful. But again, that's for me as an individual. And it's just, again, it's, it's all about letting go, controlling emotions, understanding things you can't control. And again, working toward that piece. Um, if I look at, you know, some of the most impactful books as an entrepreneur in my life, you know, I would urge everybody in the audience to read Think and Grow Rich because those philosophies are timeless. That book is, mm. you know, closing in on a, being 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, two, three years ago, I read a book called Essentialism, which was really impactful and powerful from a standpoint of simplicity and simplifying your life. 
Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a is a must read for anyone that wants to be successful. You know, I can get into some specific business books, but uh, but those are the ones that uh, that stand out. Yeah, well, for the listener, you have an incredible resource library at the back of your book, The Entrepreneurial Leap. And I, I remember as I was going through there, I was going down the list and checking off, okay, which ones have I read? And I was circling the ones that I had not read. And you list books, you list podcasts, all sorts of things. So an incredible library for entrepreneurs right there in, in the back of your book. And I really appreciate you putting that in there. How about if you were to choose, like, is it possible for you to pick a skill that you believe is an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur to try to hone and develop? Yeah, I, that to me is a no-brainer, and that is sales. I mean, at the end of the day, an entrepreneur needs to be a great salesperson. And so read all that you can, watch all that you can about sales. And really, you know, I get to that point, I talked about things that change and things that don't change. Mm -hmm. Well, the things that don't change is people need to be persuaded. You're always going to have to sell your product or service. You're always going to have to market. You're always going to have to create that awareness and persuade people. And so the way I always describe it is best thing you can do for yourself is go out and get rejected a hundred times next week. That's the best thing you can do for yourself as an entrepreneur. The only way to get, to get rejected is to go out there and try and persuade people because you got to kiss a lot of toads as an entrepreneur. So that would be the number one skill I would recommend is sales skills. Well, that, that is really interesting that you highlight that because I've always found it to be a little bit interesting that you that the top business schools around the world, you can get uh, a degree in a whole host of business-related disciplines, all oh, the finance and marketing and, you know, all these other types of things, you know, accounting, uh, an MBA is, you know, a general management degree. But I've had some really interesting discussions with college professors and also CEOs and say, you know what, there really isn't a world-class degree program on sales. You just have to go out there and do it. And it's the, that's that self-taught entrepreneur who, and it's the, it's the lifeblood of a business. It's the, it's sales, yet you can, you know, you don't have your best colleges and universities out there don't have a degreed program in there because I think you just have to get out there and uh, and learn it on your own. What do you think? Oh, for sure. And let's just look at the process. Okay, so probably ninety five percent of all businesses that start are bootstrap businesses. You know, it's, it, every business that starts isn't going out and raising multi millions of dollars. And it's so rare, but that's what everybody talks about. And so let's look at those ninety five percent that are bootstrapping and starting it. It's an entrepreneur, they have an idea, they have a product, they have a service, and the only way that business is going to start is by them selling one of their things, mm -hmm. whatever that is. So somebody's got to do that sale, and you don't have a sales force, so it is you. And then when you sell one, then you sell two, and then you sell 10, and then you sell 100. Well, listen, that salesperson is you, and you've got to get good at it. And there, you worrying about finance and worrying about strategy and worrying about, worrying about all those other things. If you don't sell one, you don't need to worry about strategy and finance and all these crazy things. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that makes the point that you got to know how to sell if you truly want to be a successful entrepreneur. And then hopefully someday you'll build an organization and you'll have somebody that heads up your sales for you and they're doing all that hard work of selling. But starting out 95% of the time, your business is going to need you to be the number one salesperson. Amen to that. <laughs> I, I echo that 100%. So final question. One of the things that I love to do when I'm, I'm chatting with somebody who's uh, successful is just to ask them, you know, do you have any type of productivity hacks, things that you do throughout the course of your day to keep you focused, to keep you on task? You know, I know sometimes uh, various entrepreneurs will say, well, hey, I get a lot of my work done really early in the morning and others will be like, oh, goodness, that's not for me. I, I really, you know, the quiet time late at night when I'm able to read and think and, you know, I've really gleaned a lot of information from just asking entrepreneurs and leaders, what are some of the things that they do to stay productive? I was curious if you have any of those. Uh, 100%. So I am quite disciplined. Uh, I'm a fanatic about my habits and my structure. And so I'll teach one that I strongly recommend, and it might be the, the, the highest impact uh, discipline. Okay. And that is 
my belief is that you need to go to bed every day knowing exactly your plan for tomorrow. Mm. And so that you do that by laying out tomorrow sometime the day before. When you do that, that's anywhere between 5 p.m. and 11 p.m., you know, before your head hits the pillow. But before you go to sleep, you should know exactly tomorrow's plan so that you're in control of your life and others aren't. And so what I literally do is I work from a legal pad, okay? And so with that, I, my, my friends, my clients, they all laugh at my legal pad because it's always with me. If we go meet in a coffee shop, I've got my legal pad and my pen. And so what I do is I literally write it out. You can do this on a tablet. You can do this in your calendar, whatever works best for you. But I do have a very strong philosophical belief in the power of writing. It's been scientifically proven too many times, but it's just more effective to write. And so what I do on a legal pad every night is I lay out tomorrow. And so all of my projects, my meetings, my phone calls, everything I need to get done, I lay it out in a sequential order. Anything that's scheduled or has a time, has a time, I leave cushions for things I need to get done. And, and so when I wake up in the morning, after any kind of a morning ritual, I then hit the ground running working from that plan. Where the opposite of that is most people going to bed, not preparing for the next day, waking up, looking at their email, looking at their phone, taking what comes, and all of a sudden they're knocked off kilter all the way until noon following all the external forces and how they've basically hijacked their day and then they're racing the second half of the day to get things done. You got to reverse that. You got to take control of your day and you will be considerably more productive. I love that concept. Take control of your day. I know when I wake, if I wake up late or I don't have a plan, it feels like I'm two steps behind and I'm trying to play catch up all day long. And I absolutely hate that feeling. So I 100% know what you're talking about in terms of, you know, being in control of the day and you feel like, man, I'm in charge. I've got it all planned out. And you're just like, and things are running smooth. I love that feeling. So I, what, what and phenomenal advice for our entrepreneurs and folks that are listening. I try to do that. And uh, that's an area where I'm, because of this talk and for this positive reinforcement, I'm going to make sure that I am being extra diligent in that particular area of my life as I'm going forward. Well, Gino, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us. I know our entrepreneurs and everyone who uh, have been listening, uh, this will be extremely impactful, not only for their businesses, but for their families. I know people will be able to leverage these concepts and ideas to make a difference in their community. You know, we are a group of people who want to be able to pay it forward and make a difference and, and help the world. And I think, you know, right now, you know, we're, we're having this conversation early part of June 2020. I believe that what our country, what the world needs now are entrepreneurs, leaders, people who are stepping in, uh, they are, and making a positive impact uh, wherever they are serving, whether it's in their churches, their schools, their homes, their community. We need people reaching out, being unifiers, building bridges, helping others. Uh, and so I certainly hope that everyone who is listening to this uh, is inspired. And I would highly, highly recommend senior business leaders to pick up the book, uh, one of Gino's very first ones, uh, a global bestseller, over a million copies sold, Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business. This is a game changer for those who are leading companies today. I would also recommend a rocket fuel that's another phenomenal book and then for all of our entrepreneurs people who are taking the entrepreneurial leap you could not have a better book the entrepreneurial leap do you have what it takes to become an entrepreneur so much wisdom and knowledge packed into this book it's a game changer by gino wickman gino thank you so much for your time today oh my pleasure this was a blast bob well, ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of Taking the Leap podcast. I'm your host, Bob Dickey. Hope you enjoyed this segment. God bless, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.